Welcome to the Global EdCast. My name is Armin Kasabia. And I'm Louise Goodman. This platform connects educators from around the world to discuss experiences and share best practices. Hi everyone. Today I am so excited to be speaking to Vanessa. Vanessa is an educator in Brazil, and she has amazing experiences both in gifted learning and working with virtual reality. Vanessa, would you like to tell everyone about where you're from and where you're teaching now? Sure. Uh, well, I'm from Brazil. I live in um, Sao Paulo, interior of Sao Paulo, called a city called Americana. Actually, there's an interesting history about my city and the uh, Americans. It's due to like, war in, uh, between Brazilian and Americans. It's a, a very nice curiosity. I have been teaching uh, for 26 years and I, us- uh, I used to own a school, but now I work for one of my uh, former teachers who opened her own school. And um, last year I gave a one year break for, from teaching and now I'm back. I started, I restarted in January this year. Welcome back to teaching. How has it been returning to the teaching profession during a pandemic? Well, I struggled a lot in the beginning. It was difficult uh, not having my students like the eye to eye contact that I used to have with them. Um, a lot of, uh, well, my teaching has changed d- dramatically. Of uh, high technology, and you know, I, I fell in love with it. Uh, beginning was very difficult, but now I, I have to say I cannot live without it. And I think after the pandemic, I, I still, still use everything that I'm learning. Uh, through the pandemic period. Yes, the pandemic has certainly accelerated growth and change in the realm of ed tech. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're using virtual reality in your teaching? Uh, Sure. Uh, This year I got a group of uh, very young learners. They are six years old, six, seven, and they are to learn reading and writing in their own language, which is Portuguese here in Brazil. So I um, I usually choose not to teach them reading and writing in another language. Uh, while I was in, uh, at the university, I graduated from a university here in Brazil in pedagogy, and I uh, studied a lot about a second language, a third language, a fourth language, and I, I knew they were able to learn, like every child would be able to learn five languages at once the minute they were born, but not reading and writing until they were fully um, like mature in their own uh, native language. So uh, what I do is uh, I, I create um, units in in subjects for every unit that i'm going to work with them because they don't adopt any books 
So this year I have worked with them uh, first first uh, month. I worked with them in camping. Uh, so everything related to going camping. And second was nature and then natural disasters and uh, amusement park and so on. So uh, when I was in the amusement park, I had this idea about going through the maps uh, and walking in inside a, an amusement park with them and left and right. So them, uh, every, every unit, I give them a project. Um, the unit of natural disasters, I gave them a, a project of a volcano, <laughs> an erupt, uh, erupting volcano. So. Uh, this uh, last unit of the amusement park, I gave them a project of making this 3D glasses made of uh, out of cardboard. And they had a lot of fun making the, the, the glasses, but at the end it didn't really work uh, properly. So the mothers asked me if I had an intention uh, to use the glasses m many times during the, the semester or the whole year. And I said, yes, why not? And so um, I have been using uh, for lots of different purposes. So one of them, the one I started with was left and right, walking through the park and looking at things. And now I am the not another unit. I'm teaching them comparative. So I went to a dino world and we are looking at dinosaurs and we're looking uh, left and right and see a T-Rex uh, here and another uh, dinosaur over there. So which one is bigger? Which one has a longer neck? Which one is um, taller or stronger or uh, more dangerous? So it's been a lot of fun. The kids are really enjoying it. And so for homework, I, I would uh, give them videos that they want to go into, like uh, under the ocean or skydiving. They ask me where they want to go. I watched the video before and I asked them uh, separately, you know, for each student, where is this stuff? Where is that stuff? So they, they look around and they see an object and they see, oh, the teacher asked me about this. So it's on the right, it's on the left and so on. It's, it's been amazing. They really love it. I wonder if you were talking to teachers who perhaps are new to virtual reality and not as advanced, what is a great starter project that they could do to create all of this interaction within their students as far as virtual reality, vocabulary, and kind of getting a sense? Well, um, you can start with if you have like very very young learners or very basic learners, even if they are adults. And even though they don't have sometimes uh, the glasses, uh, the 3D glasses, I recommend like just using the cell phone, you can turn around, you can like go around with your cell phone. It's not 
it's not as real or as realistic as when you have the the glasses on but you can you can use it and it's very effective uh in learning so you can ask like colors of things around uh you can start like by just just uh Uh, getting them to know the environment so you can go visit a house which is very simple so you put like 360 video in YouTube and so you put a house for example so you enter the house uh, you go inside then you look left and you look right and you see microwave ovens and you see the bedroom and the study and the bathroom And you can ask the students like to go into the rooms and look around and see what it tell you what they see. Uh, if you can elicit a lot from the students uh, vocabulary that that they already know, and if they don't know, it's a good opportunity to see. Oh, look on your left above the table. Uh, what do you see? Ah, teacher, I see an object, but I don't know uh, the name. Okay, so that's a that's a microwave oven. So I think it's it's very nice if you can go with your student, go along with them. If you have a very big class, like uh, some of the teachers we have been uh, talking to uh, in the uh, global educator sessions, uh, they teach uh, classes with like thirty. 40 people inside like uh, a big number of students and some of them uh, don't have this uh, like a cell phone uh, they don't have like how to to buy or you know whatever so I would say the teacher could bring um, an iPad or their own cell phones to class and let one student or another you know like Uh, move the cell phone around and play with it a little bit and and see how interested they get. I think I would start like this. Absolutely. It sounds like you're doing just absolutely phenomenal activities in your classrooms and really creating learning ecosystems for students to dive in and explore on their own. Yes, As, especially for homework. Uh, because Uh, when I am teaching and I'm teaching only online right now, uh, it's very difficult because you have to uh, set a pace and everybody has to be in the same second of the video together. And this is more difficult to do. We, we did it like a couple of times, but it was, uh, there were um issues like a commercial in the middle of the video of youtube um or one student uh didn't press the button as fast as the other did so we were not at the same time like the same pace together so when i said look look what's on the left and sometimes they oh teacher i'm not there yet so um it was not so perfect but when you give them as homework And so they do, uh, each of them can, can watch the video in their own pace, their own time. I think it's better. They can go back to it and watch it again and, and look around um, 
calmly. I think it's it's better when they do it as homework. But as a, but as I said, if you have a very big group of kids and they don't have access to a phone, maybe in their homes, we, we don't know what kind of a, a place or, you know, uh, people we're talking about. Some Like here in Brazil, we have regions that very with very poor people. And sometimes they do not have a cell phone to work with at home. So my idea would be to do that together in the classroom. Right. Another thing I wanted to ask you about is you just have so many experiences working with different student groups, including gifted. Talk and how that shaped you as an educator. Sure. Well, I have two daughters, um, and during my uh, they had lack of oxygen and they have little problems with the brain, and uh, it slowed down. How do you think that's shaped how you work with your students now? I had to learn how to teach them because they have a lot of difficulty with learning. They're they have a very uh, much slower pace than than regular you know like uh, learners and so learn um, new strategies to reach out to them like they they could learn through my strategies so for example something that um, I use a lot with them is uh, rhythm and songs one of the sessions with Global Educator, uh, we, we learned a lot of rhythms and songs. I was like, oh, my God, this is what I want. I, I want to learn a lot. And so uh, through my kids, I, I was able to help many of my students because sometimes uh, students are not labeled like, ah, this one has... Um, a specific problem with learning. Uh, and so uh, many parents don't know if their kids have a problem with learning. Notice that. So sometimes it's difficult to bring that to a parent, to a mother, to a father, and say, your son, your daughter has difficulty in learning. So you don't do that. I don't do that. I just try my strategies my different things, they usually have a preference in learning. Some of them are more visual. Some of them are more kinesthetic. Some of them are more auditory. So they learn more through listening or through seeing things, looking at things, or through moving around. And so you have to learn the preferences uh, first, you know, like your students' preferences, and then try strategies. Uh, and rhythm and songs, I see that helped my daughters a lot. And I see that this helped my students a lot along those years. I have been teaching for 26 years now. And I have taught kids from uh, three to adults, like teens, adults, all ages. And so this is something that helped me a lot uh when it comes to memorize vocabulary or memorize like a story something that they have to tell you and i think this is 
uh, one of the things that helped me, but lots of things, actually, you know, it's a sum up of little things. Right. I guess another question I want to know is hearing from you both as a parent going through virtual learning with your own daughters and as a teacher, what are, what's one high and one low of this experience? Well, uh, high is like we, um, we know much more. We are um, surrounded by this world of technology, which is enchanted, enchanting by like uh, to me and my daughters and my students. Everybody is enjoying that lot. And uh, all of this technology has helped us teachers and parents and uh, to really, you know, like uh, not to uh, stop because uh, if it wasn't, you know, if this pandemic was uh, years and years ago, it would be like, oh, no schools for one, yeah. two years. <laughs> so now I thank God that we have all these technologies around, uh, technology around us. And I think uh, it's amazing how they are, uh, they are enticed by this technology. All of like kids, teens, adults, teachers, we are really learning a lot and we are teaching each other i think like teenagers they teach me a lot uh during class they help me a lot things that i don't know it, it's a an exchange of information i think it's very nice low is uh, that sometimes um uh, very bad connection of internet or the noise uh that isn't like background noise uh, with uh, brothers and sisters or the mother is baking a cake or cooking something in the kitchen. And I think it mixes a lot, like the, the home environment with the um, school environment, the classroom. And this interferes. Uh, I cannot lie to you. It, it, it sometimes bothers me a lot. And uh, sometimes I try to speak and sometimes I, I, I see myself screaming in the middle of the class trying to be heard and uh, this is not okay i think uh, uh, we need to uh, understand that there is this low point and we need to cope with it that's so true finding a balance between teaching and intimate students comfortable is a constant struggle of mine as well yeah Something that you want to send off to other teachers who are who do not have 26 years of experience, a best piece of advice or a good practice for them? Well, um, I think if you have, um, first you get to know your students. Second, you have to set a bound with them, a connection with your students. And third, you have to have a very good lesson plan. We hope you enjoyed this Global EdCast episode. And remember, you can follow us on our website, on Facebook, and also on Twitter and Instagram. 
where we continually have resources and ideas from teachers around the world. Thank you for joining us.